Who's ready for Impact EOB Society? Welcome to another game-changing installment of Evolution of Brand. I'm Jason Sircone, and today on episode 58, I'm sharing the mic with John D'Amato, a visual storytelling expert who is bringing the goods and then some when it comes to the role imagery plays in your brand story. As we tap into the evolution of John's brand, We'll be discussing the vital reasons you need to put emphasis on the visual aesthetics of your brand, how high-quality photographs and video work hand-in-hand, the do's and don'ts you need to understand before you ever step foot in front of a camera, and what you need to know before you partner with a professional to capture imagery that will be used throughout your digital presence. All this and so much more awaits you on episode 58 of Evolution of Brand featuring John D'Amato, right after this quick message from our sponsors. If you're like me, EOB Society, your inbox is constantly bombarded with solicitation after solicitation sent by someone who spent no time getting to know who you are or if their product or service is even in the same hemisphere as what you need. These messages get overlooked quickly for one reason. They don't stand out. Don't be that person. Be the one who stands out and make it happen with Bonjoro. Bonjoro allows you to quickly connect with new leads, existing customers, and potential collaborators with personalized videos that are thoughtful, impactful, and best of all, designed to make you stand out. Don't send the same old lengthy email messages. Get Bonjoro today and start communicating like the boss you truly are. Click the Bonjoro link in the show notes to learn more. John D'Amato, welcome to Evolution of Brand. Say what's up to the EOB Society and share a time you listened to yourself instead of what others told you was right, and it led to a major accomplishment. Well, first of all, what's going on, everyone? Thank you for having me, Jason. I appreciate it. Uh, One time, well, the fact that we're having this conversation would be the byproduct of something that I did not follow conventional wisdom or the wisdom of my parents, because if it were up to them, I'd still be working as a television producer, being pretty miserable, working on stuff that really didn't serve my passion for being able to tell stories visually. For me, it was more important to be able to do something of service while leveraging my art in a way that didn't compromise my integrity. And uh, I didn't know that going in, but fortunately, we lucked out. (laughs) (laughs) It's good to find those things along the way. But John, you're bringing a lot to the show today, and I'm really excited to talk with you. You're a visual storytelling expert, and I know myself, and I can speak for the rest of EOB Society. We're very excited to learn how you help professionals in all industries and all niches position themselves as authorities through dynamic imagery. Incredibly important in today's world. Before we get into all of that, take us back to how your professional career got started and what happened along the way as you evolved and ultimately landed in the successful place you find yourself today? Well, once upon a time, I, as I mentioned at the top, I was a television producer for nine years for a talk show. And the experience, while very beneficial to what I do now, it just ultimately at a certain point, I mean, Long story short, I burned out. I'm just going to be honest. I burned out. I was hitting the wall every day. I mean, you know, we talk about the Sunday scaries. I had the Saturday afternoon scaries. That's how anxious and and just not psyched about what I was doing. That was the level I was at. And at one point, 
I started picking up a DSLR camera. And the reason was I took a class back in graduate school. My last semester, I needed an elective. So I picked something I thought would be a layup. So I picked 35 millimeter black and white photography. And what I didn't realize is that that would have become, that would become the most important class I ever took because it sparked a passion within me that kind of laid dormant, was manifested through the video work that I did. But once I started to get burned out, I picked the camera up again, started walking around the streets of New York City, started taking photos of things that I thought were interesting. And that matured over time to when I started shooting headshots on the side. So I would work Monday through Friday, working on the show. And Saturday, Sunday, I would work with private headshot clients. And back in 2013, the, the tipping point came when my mom passed away. And I had that moment at a bedside where I realized that if I were in her position right now, I'd be pretty resentful of how I lived my life. And seven to eight months later, I was out the door and just kind of winged it from there to, to follow my passion for photography. So in essence, that layup became a slam dunk because it ended up like being one you... of the most important thing yeah one of the most important driving forces in your life and it's amazing how sometimes just the simplest things can come along and make us realize how passionate we are for something and i can to speak to podcasting for me i did radio back in college and i loved it but there was probably a good 12 to 13 year gap before i got back in front of a microphone and the second i started podcasting i was like God damn, I missed this. I'm so happy to be back doing this. And I knew that was the direction I needed to run. And seven years later, I've been going strong and no plans of stopping anytime soon. Yeah. You know, it's funny you bring up that point because it's it's not even necessarily that we know where we're going to go or what life is going to present to us. But if we're open to the opportunity and the moment that the door cracks open just a little bit, that's all we need to just jump right through and slam open that door and get in there. And uh, we just need to be open to possibilities and to be curious. And that sometimes can be difficult. Absolutely. And, and have the courage to take that leap and not live by those traditional means that tell us to stay on the straight path. Because like you said, John, that can lead to burnout. That can lead to those feelings of unhappiness. And when you start to look at things from the end and you say, if I'm in this position and I didn't do what I wanted to do with my life, am I truly going to be happy? Am I, are things truly going to end the way I want? And most times they're not because we just didn't have the courage to take that first step. Yeah. And I mean, I'm sure that there have been plenty of steps that you did not take. And I know mm -hmm. for myself, I certainly did not take. But at the end of the day, you took the one. And, right. and that's pretty awesome. Well, there's no denying the impact that high quality imagery can have on brand building and storytelling. Tell us why it's vital to a brand to incorporate clear, powerful imagery into their practices at every juncture. Well, the biggest thing is that we all need to realize that we're visual beings. We make meaning through the visuals that we see. And while very high level, that drips down to every aspect of our lives. And if you're an, a business owner of any type, an expert of any type, you're in the business of building relationships. 
And as a result, the, one of the ways in which you build those relationships is by offering your audience of potential clients or subscribers or members or fill in the blank, a sense of understanding who you are, who you serve, the problems you solve, how you solve them, and why you do what you do. And you can visually illustrate that through different types of promotional photos where you know, you're looking directly into the camera or it's lifestyle photos where you're showing your audience how the sausage is made, you know, your processes for how you serve and how you live your life or the way that you disseminate your expertise, whether it's on a stage or on a screen like this or through a book or through a course. And when you share these types of images, it allows your audience an entry point into your life so that they do start to feel that sense of connection. And it empowers them to actually engage the content in which you're presenting to them, let alone the fact that a lot of the stuff that you share is value driven uh, within the stories that you share. So when you combine the visual with the story and you bring them together in a way that informs, entertains, and inspires your audience, that's going to help create that spark that helps them get on the journey of learning more about how you personally can help solve their problems. We share brand building strategies on this show all the time. And one of the big things that's important for everyone, no matter what space niche industry you're in, is that hook. What are you going to do to get people to make that first initial investment in your brand? I would say 99.9 times out of 100, it's visual in some way, shape, or form. That's what's going to catch somebody's eye and make them take notice as to who you are, what you do, and how you can help them solve problems. And if you're not putting yourself in a position visually to stand out and have that aesthetic appeal that's going to make someone stop scrolling, because that's how a lot of brands get discovered is people just scrolling through Instagram or Facebook or whatever social network they happen to be on. If you don't have something that grabs somebody's eye, they're going to keep scrolling and you're going to miss your opportunity. Yeah. And even to add to that point, Jason, it's not just about catching their, their attention to be, you know, stop the scroll. We're going to read, follow through on the CTA, click on something, set up a call, buy something, whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. What these images also do when there is a level of artistry and honesty and connection within these photos from shot to shot, not just one at a time, but, but as a collective and the way that they're disseminated uh, through a marketing strategy is that they also position you as the authority in your space of expertise, when they are correct, well, it's not a a matter of correct or incorrect. It's more of a matter of a certain consistency amongst the images with a high level of artistry and the expressions are very powerful and moving and and, uh, even vulnerable, you know, across the emotional spectrum. That creates a level of authority that will help people see you in a way that you are worth every single penny that you charge. So we've dipped the toe a bit and you mentioned the power of establishing authority and being able to do that through your visual assets. What are some of the other major gains a brand will experience when they incorporate eye-catching photos into their practices? Gives them the ability to tell better stories overall in the sense that, you know, I mentioned before the visual and the story come together. Well, One of the main 
aspects of having a high quality image content portfolio is that it creates a sense of not just the aesthetics, but also a, a level of visual punctuation in terms of the emotional sentiment of the image matches the emotional sentiment of the story. And when they come together, that really creates a powerful uh, piece of online content for people. So you're creating better stories overall is definitely one of them. Storytelling's huge. And we, we, again, anybody listening in EOB society knows we've talked about that power of the authentic storytelling, going deep into that inner narrative and bringing that out and projecting it to the audience in a way that's going to resonate and compel them to go further, to learn more, to go to the next chapter of that story, if you will. To me, I feel the visual component that accompanies that story cannot be overlooked or overshadowed, especially in the visual world that we live in today. It's so important and so vital to have these images in place because if your storytelling ability is off in any way, you lose that ability to bring more people in to check out what you're doing. Well, you know what also happens, Jason, is the fact that the moment that you start to feel off, that's going to break the trust. And the moment that you break trust with someone, they are not going to go back to you. And Mm -hmm. it doesn't. And by the way, that speaks to a couple of different things. It's not just in the words and the stories, but let's say, for example, you have a business owner that has created a bunch of printed materials for, let's say, an expo or a conference, right? They have a table and they have the banner and they've got the brochures, they got all the different kinds of things. And there's images of this person all over those printed materials. And that person is standing in the back of that table, looking at everyone, smiling, saying hi. But the person that's in those printed materials looks like the younger son or daughter of that person. The moment that people get a whiff that there is that disconnect between the way that you have these printed materials and the way that you're presenting yourself in the room, people aren't going to pay attention to you as much because the back in the backs of their minds, they'll be thinking, well, what else are they lying about? Because this is clearly just, it's just strange. Yeah. The no like, and trust factor is one of the most important elements of storytelling. We talk about this, or at least I talk about this when I'm helping people with the podcast guest marketing initiatives and, and finding good shows to tell their story and, and help people get introduced to their brand if you can't get people to trust you through the story that you're telling, well, forget it. Just go home. You're right. Like there's just so much, so much negative that can happen if there's some, if if, if things are not aligned and we've seen it happen. We've seen a lot of brands absolutely unravel because they, they simply lost trust with the public and with the audience that they work so hard to establish. It's amazing that one small little move can tear the entire kingdom down. I mean, at the end of the day, it, I, I've had it myself when I've been looking for help for my business. And I go to a website that looks like it was designed in 1999 with photos that look like they were shot in 1989 with someone who's trying to sell in 2022. We have a serious problem on our hands. I'm not going to follow that person. I'm not, I don't care because if you didn't even care enough to have the front door of your business represent how you look in this day and age, then what the hell are you going to do for me? Right. I'll, That's I'll, the problem. 
I'll tell you, man, I, I worked in the beer industry for a while and I, I did beer advocacy. That's how it all started for me. And one of the big things that I was always hung up on, and it wasn't just from the consumer perspective, it was from the actual brands, was the photos and the images they were putting out of their product. So many of them were not focusing on what the picture was portraying. And many times it was dirty glassware. And anytime <laughs> you would try to talk to somebody about this subject, I, it was like you were insulting your kid. And then there was a lot of us that were on the side of, look, would you eat dinner off of dirty plates? Would you use a dirty fork? No. Well, then why would you drink beer out of a dirty glass? But where the consumer side came in, I always told people, you're our, a backhanded advocate slash ambassador. If you're taking a picture of that beer and putting it out on the internet, you're representing that brand in your own way. Why would you not take the time to make sure your glass is clean so that picture is presentable. And I always felt the answer was because the brands, not all of them, but many of them weren't giving a damn either. And they were putting those pictures out there. And it just blew my mind every time I saw it. And you can still continue to see it to this day. There, there is something to be said about the quantity of quality content. And that would be the goal of what that is. But at the same time, quality means clean the damn glasses <laughs> before you shoot them. The devil is in the details. And quite frankly, for a lot of people, they go unheard and they go undone. I would have to think it stems beyond that industry as well. But I always think about, you know, you take so much time to stage and to make the overall atmosphere and the overall element of what's going to appear in that photo look the best. But then the primary subject is disheveled. Uh, I, I don't know. Yeah. I'm, pro I'm probably pissing you off now. I'm making you think about no. some negative. <laughs> negative well, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've uh, I, I, listen before I uh, niche my business to speakers, trainers, authors, consultants, and other experts. I shot everything under the sun. And what you are talking me about right now does bring me back to some less than ideal times behind the camera. So, yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll leave it in the past and move on. So good. as the digital space has evolved, do you feel there's more emphasis put on video over still images today? I think since the evolution of our ability to have greater bandwidth for media, it has. But way before that, video has been an important way to convey a lot of stuff for brands in terms of building out that brand and creating connection with people. I mean, I'm a little bit biased because uh, I did TV longer than I've done photography. So even though I'm not currently offering any of that stuff to clients, I do understand the power. And there actually is, it's not an either or when it comes to photography and video, it's a yes and, because they both serve different purposes. You know, for photography, I always tell clients, listen, don't feel like these photos are going to inspire someone to sign on the dotted line immediately. The goal for these is that you inspire those people to pick up the pen. It gets the spark, the juice. It gets them in the front door. It allows them to be able to, to feel nurtured by the way that you're sharing stories with them and value that they can implement immediately. And when it comes to video, that's more 
ideally used as a way to fill in more of that background information, but really what it also is, is a way to get someone to pick up the phone and set up a call with you. Because if you think about it, think about how long it takes to consume a photo versus a video, especially certain videos that are minutes long or an hour long or whatever the case may be. Someone who doesn't know who the hell you are might not be as inspired to invest the time to listen and to watch this thing. However, when you're talking about photos, it takes mere seconds to digest it and get a sense of whether or not you want to learn more about this person. So when you're putting together your materials, you always need to think with a mindset of the photography and the video, not one or the other. That's an incredible point. I can speak from the experience I'm going through with my daughter right now. She's 12 and she made the decision that she wanted to start practicing photography and, and getting into it a little bit. And I showed her some well-known photographers and I could just see her face light up because there was that little spark of inspiration where it's like, whoa, if I get good at this, I could really do something great. I'm hoping that we can continue to throw fuel on that, those flames and, and really keep that inspiration up. But I, to take it back to the, to the brands and, and what they need to be focused on. Yeah, I, I've always felt like the ability to have both of these assets in your favor and in your arsenal or is just going to do more to make you stand out. And you can utilize both and tell a good story, ultimately building a good customer experience and giving options. Some people do respond better to video while others still will take in an image and it tells them everything they need to know. So if you're right. disqualifying one or the other, you're selling yourself short and could potentially be costing the opportunities or costing yourself the opportunities to bring more folks into your brand. Yeah. And you're not a mind reader. You don't know right. where people are in their journey. You don't know how many other people they're looking at to be able to provide the help that they need that you can do along with the 10 other people that they're considering. So as a result, having those multiple options gives them the opportunity to figure out how they want to start their own adventure of figuring out if you're the solution to their problem. And going back, Jason, to the idea of authority, creating this perception of authority through the way that you have your photographs out across your online presence. When you do both, that also feeds into that sense of authority because it's a more comprehensive overall look into your business, your brand, and your lifestyle. We've talked about this somewhat already. It was more, I guess, on the inanimate object side. So let's focus to the actual human element. What are some aspects that we should be aware of before we ever step foot in front of a camera? Well, the first thing is to sit back and think to yourself, how do I serve? What does my life look like? What are the, the aspects of my personality that I want to convey to my audience? You know, what are what are the, what is the perception that I want of them to have of me? You need to have these high level conversations with yourself, understand how you serve, because once you understand the why and the how, you'll now figure out what the what is, which is the types of images that make sense to be in your portfolio. And then the next step is to get down in the weeds a little further and identify the gaps in what you have out there already, because some of the stuff that you have out there might be perfectly fine 
while the rest of it is a total dumpster fire and needs to be thrown in the garbage and you need to start again. But you don't know until you actually drill down into your website. And I'm not just talking about the homepage. I'm talking about all the other landing pages for the different services you have. Really critically think to yourself, is this the best presentation visually to punctuate the sentiment of this copy that's here or this service that I'm talking about or for my speaker clients? Is this the best image that enhances the bio and description that they have for their keynotes or their workshops? Once you do a lot of that high-level stuff, when you get in front of the camera with a photographer, the there is strategy that you are going to be working with. And when you have a strategy, that will help minimize the friction of maybe not being too confident in front of the camera, but you know that there is a greater purpose at hand and everything is basically laid out chapter and verse to really maximize your time while working with a photographer. What's the biggest no-no that you tell anybody that you're working with when it comes to creating their imagery? Don't put on a show, always lead with your personality. Don't try to be something that you're not. Don't compare yourself to other experts who share the same space as you. Put on blinders. Don't give a crap about them. Lean into what makes you unique because that is more than good enough. I'll tell you, that's, a, that's good advice all around. I think we can take a lot from that when we think of the big picture, not just our imagery. I love it. That's fantastic. John, tell us about a major problem that you've solved in the evolution of your brand that added value to your community. Well, once upon a time, uh, we had this thing called COVID-19. I don't know if you're familiar with it. Yeah, yeah. it's a thing. Going I heard around. about it on the internet. Yeah, mm. yeah. And at the time when everybody's calendars just went right into the uh, garbage pail, I saw that there was an issue with regards to the speakers, trainers, experts that I work with, they moved to from stages, from being in front of the room, from being on planes and going all over to these places, different countries, et cetera, et cetera. And they started doing meetings and keynotes and facilitations from their home office on Zoom. So one of the things that kind of came to me as I was actually recovering from COVID was I want to feel useful and I want to do something because I need to break out of this COVID funk. I had the original one. And while shooting a National Speakers Association event, I'm a part of that community. I realized that let me just shoot this event and see what happens. And what ended up happening was that that turned into what I did during the lockdown, which was shoot a bunch of speakers to create this imagery so that they can use that to be able to show event professionals, hey, my message that I do on a stage or in front of the room will translate perfectly fine. Here are the images. And it was definitely a win-win-win all the way around that whole opportunity. It's phenomenal that you were able to step in and help in that capacity because I know I've, I've talked to a couple speakers here on the show and off the podcast as well. Our mutual friend, Rachel Sheeran, was one, just one of many that I know had to make that major change. And what a difference. And I know if you go back to episodes 15 and 16, Rachel realized that when she had to make that transition because the stages weren't there anymore, she realized that she was there to serve no matter what. And she made the changes. And I think all speakers, anybody that was used to being in that public setting was able to stand out and make themselves realize that 
no matter what the environment is, it's changed for all of us. We have to do what we can to remain valuable and to provide some kind of service that's going to keep us in the spotlight. And it sounds like you did the exact same thing. Well, option B was stare at a wall, talk to my money tree in my bedroom and completely and totally lose my mind. So I figured option A was the smarter move. You've got a money tree. <laughs> I do. Okay. I but, do. Man. It, it, it's currently getting a ton of sun out there right now. I'm very <laughs> excited. It's Excellent. growing, so it's good. I love it. So to help professionals get a better grasp on powerful, impactful imagery, you established the four visuals. Break these down for us and tell us why each plays an integral role in visual storytelling practices. So the, the first one on the list of the, and by the way, I'm still a little bummed out I didn't come up with a cooler acronym. Um, it's, uh, something that I would like to work on in the next iteration of this thing. But with that being said, the first big one is visual credibility. And as I mentioned at the top, when you're talking about the fact that you're this expert and you're on stages and you can help people in this way, that way, and whatever way through your products, your services, whatever it is, you can't just talk about it. You got to show them. So when you have image content that is very candid, fly-on-the-wall experience showing how you do what you do and how you serve people and how you help solve problems, that's a, a major way for you to be able to get in the good graces of potential buyers, potential clients, potential strategic partners. The second one that's a biggie is visual punctuation. As I mentioned earlier, I've probably written the phrase visual punctuation about 7,000 times at this point because mm -hmm. it, is, it is a staple of the type of work that I do with clients because you always want to have the image complement the story. It is a fundamental aspect of what we do online to market our business, to position our brand, and to just get the message out in an honest and accurate way. And then the third visual is variety. Because one of the things that you'll see a lot of with a lot of experts, a lot of business, you know, you'll see all these beautiful photos, but they all, especially with the experts that I work with, a lot of this stuff just becomes repetitive. Shot after shot after shot after shot after shots, wide shot, looking this way, like here. And there's no angle changes. There's no expression changes. There's no compositional changes. It's all the same crap. And what ends up happening is you bore the hell out of your audience and then they end up just leaving and you can't have that. So it's important to be able to have a portfolio of wide, medium, close-up shots, different expressions, different activities, different locations, different outfits. And that way it keeps things fresh throughout the amount of time that you share these photos until you refresh them. And then the fourth one is visual storytelling. While these photos can, you know, they say, what is it? A picture is worth a thousand words. The reality is it's up to you to determine what those words are. Otherwise, people are going to just take it and run with it. And it might not necessarily be the intent that you had behind that photo. So you need to be very clear about the way that you're sharing your day-to-day -day life and what it looks like when you're running your business and any other aspect of your life that you want to share with your audience in order to bring them in. Does that mean that you have to share stories about everything? No. 
but you have to be clear, intentional, and focused on the things that you do want to share and be purposeful when you share those stories through images along with the words. A very important point to remember there is not everything needs to be out there for public consumption. No, and not at all. <laughs> and we, we have a lot of people that unfortunately still haven't grasped that in the world, and it leads to some things getting lost in translation. And yeah. <laughs> regardless of how good your imagery may look, it's important, like you said, John, to have that clear, concise yeah. message and make sure that you're doing your best to tell that story in a way that is going to keep things on the rails so positive things happen for your brand. And also, Jason, to piggyback on that, it creates a certain level of relatability when you do that because, oh, I'm interested in that. Oh, I like that. Or I'm not into it, but I like this person enough that I'm going to say something because you've established the connection already. The point being is that you want to have that not you're not on the mountaintop talking down to people you're right here with them and that's what visual storytelling does john if an entrepreneur or professional is just getting started and doesn't have the budget to book a professional photo shoot with someone like yourself are there ways they can do it themselves that result in a quality product that will serve them and their brand until they're in a better position no, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Take course. the bias out for one second. <laughs> no, 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 of course, of course there is. In fact, well, let me start by answering the question now again to the other thing. Uh, there is. It's this fancy thing that's sitting on in your pocket, your purse, around your body 24-7. It's your phone. Your phone has a good camera in it, and that phone camera has the capability of creating images that will help you connect with your audience. Now, is it the same thing as having a professional photographer taking photos of you? No, but that's not necessarily a bad thing because remember, every time that something interesting in your life happens, you're not gonna have some paparazzi following you around every minute of every day. But yet that moment is profound to you. Therefore, you want to share it with your audience because it ties into the visual storytelling pieces discussed before and the relatability factor. And just maybe you're sharing something that is of relevance to your audience in a motivational, emotional, some kind of informational way, whatever the case may be. So you want to have the ability to be able to take that thing out at any time and create a well-composed self-portrait of yourself or flip the camera to the normal way and shoot something that you find interesting that you wanna talk about. Either way, smartphone portraits and smartphone photos are an essential piece to the puzzle. It's not, again, like video, it's not either or, it's yes and. The thing that I love, and I pretty, I mean, you, it's, you'd be hard pressed to find anybody that doesn't have a smartphone the cameras just keep getting better and better to the point where if I'm going to answer the question that I asked, you absolutely can get by with what you have in your smartphone for a camera, because there's just, they're just so dynamic and the pictures they take are so clear. Is it the same as a professional? No, but again, if you're looking to get by until you're in a better position, you can absolutely make some good things happen and really bring a story of life. Just using the, item that you're carrying around with you all day, every day. Yes, absolutely. And the key though, remember this, it's not about the technology. It's about the intention and purpose behind the image that is created. 
you could hand me a cell phone with one of my clients and yeah, I can get a session out of that because there is an intention and purpose and strategy behind what I'm doing. So for people who feel that they're not at the level where they want to invest in any kind of professional photography, they can sit, I I suggest that they sit down and that they uh, look at the kind of content that what they want to create, look at the whole, like I said, you know, identify the gaps and then you invest a couple of bucks in a stand and in a phone mount so you can get the camera. That, that's one of the biggest pieces of advice, by the way, when you're taking smartphone self-portraits, get the camera out of your hand. Don't just do the selfie thing like you're at an event. Those are fine. But if you want something that's a little bit higher up to kind of resemble some form of a professional type of portrait, get that damn thing out of your hands, get a stand, get a uh, mount, and then learn how to use the self-timer, put the thing in portrait mode, and then you can go to work. So now let's say our entrepreneur has reached the point where they're ready to make that investment. They call you. How do they maximize that investment? not just with the photos, but with the time they're spending with the photographer, what are the big things that we should be focused on? The biggest thing that someone should be focused on before they invest in a premium portrait photography service is that their intention is to actually use the photos. And I know that that might sound ridiculous, but it's not. (laughs) You must have that intention and purpose behind the fact that you are indeed going to start rolling these things out, that you have pieces in place that you need to fill and that you understand that uh, those photos are going somewhere. You need to be on the same page with your photographer, meaning the strategy component so that they have it, first of all, that they are capable of being able to carry out the vision of all of these different lifestyle pieces that you need, as well as all your promotional looking into the camera shots, as well as detail photos that have nothing to do with you, but might have a metaphorical need in terms of shooting an object or a prop or a book or whatever the case may be. And then the other one is you need to like the person that's behind the camera so that you can have a rapport. That one is the ace in the hole. And here's why. Because if you are connected with them and can have a conversation and rapport with them, you are going to be in the present moment. And that means you're going to be out of your head. And that means you're not going to think about the 75 things you hate about how you look. You're going to be laughing, engaged, answering questions. And all the while, the photographer's nudging you to the left, tilting your head a little bit this way, going down like this, fixing your arm here, telling you to change your body posture, moving the lights around, and you don't even know it because you're in the middle of a conversation. So when you are about to hire someone, part of the qualification process is not just their portfolio and it's not just their price tag, but it's also how do they make you feel when they're talking to you on the phone? Do they feel like someone that you're cool with Or does it feel like there'll be friction? If there is friction, I do not care how wonderful their photos are. You're not going to get them to look like that because you're going to be uncomfortable and it will be all over your face in every single shot. John, as we get ready to wind down, if you could go back in time and share one thing with your pre-evolved self that would completely change the game today, what would it be? That's a deep one. (laughs) (laughs) Probably the biggest 
piece of advice that I could give my younger self would be to, uh, it'd be twofold. It'd be take it easy on yourself and go after the things that you actually love and don't be afraid because that to, to me, if I'm, you know, I'm being honest here, I never wanted to be a business owner. I never had the thought of being a professional photographer. And now if you were to tell me that I had to quit, I would uh, fight tooth and nail to make sure that that would never happen. If I had the intent and purpose when I was younger, I wonder where I would be today. But end of the day, that's, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. but that would definitely be something I would share. Well, John, I've learned a ton from you today, and I'm sure EOB Society did as well. I'd like to thank you for bringing tremendous value to the show with you. Where can we keep this momentum moving forward by connecting with you, learning more about you, and picking up your visual storytelling guide for experts? The best place to go would be my website, johndomato.com. I have the sign up for that guide that you mentioned and I also have all my handles for social and I have my blog that I, that I write a couple times a month and the more the merrier, come on down. And if you have any questions, please don't be afraid to ask me. As always, those links will be in the show notes for you to click on EOB society. And I have looked at some of John's photos. I highly recommend you check out what he's laying down because he is bringing the goods John, thank you very much for joining me on Evolution of Brand today. Thank you so much, Jason. We live in a visual world, EOB Society, and you know the impact a high-quality, thought-out photo has on you when it first meets your eyes. Likewise, you know the feeling you get when a not-so-great photo enters your field of vision. Which side of the spectrum do you want to be on? Never overlook the impact your imagery has on current and potential customers. Give this aspect of your brand building and storytelling respect, and there's no telling how far your brand will go. I'd like to once again thank John D'Amato for joining me today and delivering a mic-dropping performance on Evolution of Brand. To get more from this episode, visit evolutionofbrand.com and click on the link for episode 58, or head straight to jasoncircone.com slash johndomato for instant access to links, resources, and show notes. And I'm talking primo notes. I got an A. Want to support Evolution of Brand? Be sure you're following and you're subscribed so you're the first to know when new content goes live. Leave a rating and written review on Apple Podcasts and at podchaser.com, as well as a five-star rating on Spotify. And as always, recommend this episode of Evolution of Brand to one person in your circle who you know will be impacted by what they hear. And with that, episode 58 of Evolution of Brand has officially gone into the archives. It no longer is. It was. I look forward to connecting with you once again when episode 59 goes live. Until then, this has been Jason Sircone on Evolution of Brand. Never stop evolving. In addition to Evolution of Brand and my website, jasoncircone.com, I'm also sharing new content on my YouTube channel every week. I'm on a mission to bring purpose and clarity to podcast guest marketing and help professionals just like you build their brands and enhance their visibility as a value-driven podcast guest. Each week, I share new videos that shine the spotlight on tips, strategies, and fundamentals of being a quality podcast guest, as well as impactful clips from Evolution of Brand. I invite you to subscribe and be part of my YouTube community. 
Visit youtube.com slash Jason Sircone and smash that subscribe button. That's youtube.com slash Jason Sircone. I can't wait to meet you there.